This episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by Braintree Payments. Mobile app development can be complex, but integrating your payments no longer has to be. With Braintree, your business can accept nearly every type of payment from any device with just one integration. Learn more, go to braintreepayments.com slash TNW. Starting Tech News Weekly in 3, 2, 1. Hey buddy, welcome to Tech News Weekly. I'm your host, Andrew Zarin. Of course, I'm joined by the one, the only, the very cute Suncast. How you doing, John? First, let me see your shirt. Courtesy of front page shirt. Tech. Okay, yeah, yeah. Courtesy of front page tech. The first shirt. There you go. John Prosser's uh, pride and joy over there. That that's what he works hard on. Definitely got to thank John for that shirt because yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, John. Thank you, John. Uh, you still do. They not got have- a uh, store that they're building right now and that they're getting ready to launch. Oh, they are. Yes. Very so cool. So in, in in the coming weeks, you'll be able to actually purchase this shirt. That's very cool. So you have a front page tech shirt, right? Mm-hmm. You have a Gunna Geek shirt. Yes. And you have a GFQ shirt. I do not. You do not have a GFQ shirt after all these no. years. You know what? Now we're going to keep it like this because you're a turncoat and you're a traitor <laughs> to us. <laughs> also with us, uh, talking about Gunna Geek, Chris from Gunna Geek. How you doing, Chris? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. I know. It's been a while. Or has yeah. it has it been a while? I don't even know at this point. I don't even know if I'm month, coming month or if half, I'm going. Maybe, I don't maybe know. a month and a half. Yeah, uh, Gunna Geek is a podcast network uh, for people watching this for the first time. Why don't you tell yeah, them it's what it is? Better than GFQ. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is wow. better than GFQ. So, uh, Gunna Geek Network's kind of a collaborative group of start out as friends. Now we're kind of a wacky podcasting family. We just podcast about cool, different, geeky topics. There's something like 17 or 18 shows on the network now, and we have live content. Six out of seven days a week. So we've been working on trying to grow our footprint and do more fun stuff. Are you guys family friendly? Some shows are okay. family friendly. Not all shows are, was, but we do mark that. the explicit ones. All right, cool. I was just wondering that because I had no idea. I didn't. I, I've never heard you guys curse, so I was wondering if you guys are. So I would say probably about seventy-five percent of the shows in the network That's are right. family friendly, are not explicit podcasts. Then we have probably about twenty-five percent where adult language can routinely be heard. Yeah, I. The more I drink, the more adult my show gets. Unfortunately, that's why I'm not well. drinking on this show today. You got that <laughs> empty bottle of Jameson behind you. I do. You know what's amazing? Company. That thing was full about three weeks ago. Every time that's, I do a show, it goes down little by little. You made that last three weeks? Yeah, I did. I you, did actually. Ill? Yeah, but that's that's it's like the fourth one. Oh, okay. I just keep buying the same one and putting it in the same spot. Guys, we have a lot to talk about today, and um, the most interesting thing to me yeah, is... Yeah, a new career choice for me. New career choice for a Suncast. <laughs> He's so upset. <laughs> you know what? I'll send you the t-shirt. <laughs> I'll just send you the t-shirt. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, but before we continue, let's talk about our great sponsor, and that's Braintree. Simple, secure payments, and code you could integrate in just a matter of minutes. To learn more, go to braintreepayments.com slash tnw. Maybe you're working on a website. It's going to be the next Uber, the next Airbnb, the next GitHub. Then why not use the same simple payment solution that all these other guys are using? The thing that has made their company successful, and that's accepting money. Braintree makes mobile payment fast, easy, and seamless. It's almost magical. 
Steve Jobs would say this is magical. Add it to your app in just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Bitcoin, every major credit card payment, and whatever the next payment solution will be. Every month, every couple of weeks, there's a new payment solution. You know what? Be assured that you could accept it with Braintree. Braintree is a full-stack payment solution, and it supports all payment types, Simple integration across all platforms with unbelievable fraud protection, customer service, and fast payouts. To learn more, go to BraintreePayments.com slash TNW. I love these guys. And by the way, we have a new advertiser, and I have a little preview of it here. And I would never do this on uh, on an ad, but they use Braintree to accept their payments. And I just had an entire conversation with these guys about how great Braintree is. So if you are accepting mobile payments, you're getting into the business of accepting mobile payments, go to Braintree. BraintreePayments.com slash TNW. So Suncast, how are you today? Good? Good. Thanks for thanks yes. for answering. Good. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's talk about the Apple story. Why don't you go into this? Yeah, so this is very interesting. This is something that's been trickling down for a while now is these reports that Apple is possibly thinking about releasing a curved bezel-free 5-inch and 5.8-inch iPhone next year. Uh, We've already had one report, I believe, from KGI about this. But now we've got another analyst saying that uh, we're actually going to actually have these things. Uh, According to Barclays Research Analyst, uh, they're saying that we could have these different sizes, and at least a bezel-less design. Maybe not all of these things are locked down, but at least for the iPhone 8, we're going to have larger screen sizes and a bezel-less design. Yes, so we are talking, uh, we're talking a 5-inch model and a 5.8-inch model. For comparison reasons, this is somewhat of a bezel-less design, right? Would you say this is bezel-less? Except for the top and bottom, I guess. Except for the top and bottom, Except for the top, but like, imagine this. But all screen, right? I guess this would give it the 5.8-inch size because this is 5.5. So give it another 2 inches, an inch here and an inch on the bottom. That's 2 inches. It's 5.8 about. Uh, So imagine something like this, and it's curved. I find it interesting it's going to be a 5-inch model as well. I know Suncast is very happy about that. Yeah, and they're also saying that the 5.8-inch model will use OLED technology, which will be incredibly cool if they did that. Chris, this is pretty awesome if this is what they do, right? This Maybe it, this is what they need to do. It is kind of what they need to do. The bezel on the iPhone has long been an eyesore because there's tons of bezel, especially in the top and bottom. So even if they narrow that down a little bit, but 5.8-inch phone, that, that's bigger than what I got. I got a Nexus 6P right here, and that's 5.7, and, and that's almost too big at times. But the 5-inch, that's where it's at, I think. That's the sweet spot. People are starting yeah. to realize these large phones might be too large for carrying around all the time. Yeah, this is five point. Four, right? The uh, the S seven Edge is it five point four? I think so. Something like that, yeah. So something like that. And this is, well, you know, when I first got this, I thought it was a little big, but it's perfectly fine. I have used uh, the Galaxy Notes, and those are a little too big for me. You know, the, the screen gets well, a little. This is big something that everybody has been saying when when the iPhone originally moved to these larger sizes, the four point seven inch and five point five inch. Because of that bezel, people were saying, okay, well, the 4.7 inch is it's just a little bit on the small side, but then you have the five and a half inch size, and that's just definitely too big for some people. And people wanted some sort of middle ground between the two, somewhere between you know, five or 5.2 inches. And here we are, you know, thinking about 
the iPhone 8, and this is what they're thinking of doing is is having a 5-inch version, which I would be glad to have, and a 5.8-inch version. Yeah. I, I don't know that they need to go quite that big, but I definitely welcome a 5-inch version. Yeah, 5.8-inch version is a little big, and it's I, I don't know who... I, Listen, who knows what the form factor is going to be, right? Imagine if there's no bezel, then you don't have to make the phone that big. It's just all screen, so you could compromise. Right. It's, it's, yeah. What it's going to amount to is that both devices will actually have the same overall dimensions as we have now with the iPhone 7 and the 4.7 and 5.5-inch versions. But because they're removing the bezel, yeah. it'll it'll ha- allow for the larger screen sizes in the same overall dimension. Yeah, so... Right. It, yeah. Remember, when it comes to those screen sizes, Apple's been talking about the fact they want to get rid of the physical home button on it. They also want to make the fingerprint sensor sit behind the screen. So if you can get rid of everything that's on the bottom lip of the iPad and make it so it, or iPhone rather, and make it so it sits behind the screen, that's a lot more real estate that could just be screen, but not really change the overall footprint of the phone. It'd be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And Samsung actually came out with a, um, there was a leak for Sam- about the next Samsung S8, and they had kind of hinted at the same thing, where it would remove the physical button. Like, this one has a physical button on here, and it would go to more of a uh, soft-touch-style button on the screen. Now, I don't know, you know how much of those rumors are true. I, I, I You know, you got to take everything for what it's worth, but it is interesting that both these companies, ha- on the same week, have the same exact rumor coming out. That means that some leak happened in the supply chain here. And they're quite possibly using the same exact supply chain for these things. Wouldn't shock me. Not yeah, the they're, same they're parts, the same but stuff. not the same parts, but possibly the same supply chain for maybe yeah. the OLED screen or maybe the, um, the the touch components. This is very interesting. Um, Apple needs this, right? We, I mean, sales, they, they've kind of slowed down in growth. Uh, something like this may... well. I, th- I think, li- honestly, the smartphone market has changed in the last two, three years where it's, it's no longer as fast-paced, as fast-moving as it once was. We've, we've kind of hit somewhat of a plateau now. So it, it's, it's, we're, we're doing these other changes where we're not necessarily about all the specs other than maybe like screen size. And, and so we're now at this point where the market has changed we're seeing different changes than we were seeing two, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this is interesting. I think this is a good step in the right direction. We're kind of seeing where the next thing in cell phones is going to be, and it's most likely going to be these curved bezel-less phones. Uh, We saw a bezel-less phone come out. Well, who was it? Uh, This week it was in the the news. Not not Huawei. It was... Crap, it was the other one. Xiaomi? It could have been. I don't... It was a bezel-less phone, and they were saying, like... Is this the future of your next cell phone? Because it's not it's not getting released here, but it was all bezel, it was absolutely beautiful screen. This is really where it's headed. I'm hoping Apple does it. I'm hoping Samsung continues to do it next year. Uh, and we'll see where it heads. Uh, this is interesting. Since we're talking about Samsung, let's move right into the next story, John. And it's the patent that they filed for for this bizarre bizarre foldable smartphone. Yeah, I don't know if you want to pull up the uh, little shot that they have on the website of the pen. Sure. Uh, but Samsung has filed a patent with Korean Intellectual Property Office for a smartphone that could be folded in half just like a flip phone. Everybody remembers those flip phones that you would have, like the Nextel i70 or whatever. And so now this is very reminiscent of that 
which is what Samsung is doing. They're, they they have this patent that they filed. Doesn't mean that they're actually doing this, that they're actually creating a foldable foldable phone. But they have the idea there, and they they filed the patent so that if they were to do something with it, it's 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 there for them to do that. So I'm trying to pull it up here, and obviously I went to CNET to click on, to to pull up the image, and guess what? There's a video playing on the bottom. I, I sent the link right in the notes for you to click on. I know, but I can't. I can't open up that computer on on the screen. That's the problem. All right, I can pull it up here. So, Chris, what do you think of this? The foldable. It takes me back to when the coolest thing ever to have was the Motorola Razor phone, that super thin flip phone. And if you could do that mm-hmm. with smartphones, as I'm thinking about, the worst part about the smartphone isn't necessarily the thickness of the phone anymore. It's more of the footprint that it is in your pocket, especially if you have one of those larger screen phones. So if you can basically fold that phone in half and put it in your pocket that's pretty awesome you know what it looks I, I like i kind of like it looks like the hinge on the um the surface, surface book. book the surface yeah. book. yes it looks like the hinge on the surface book and it's very interesting that i mean listen would you would you mind folding your phone i i think i, I think that would be fine so really? long as it is not causing issues with the screen over the long term, that would be the only thing I would worry about is that continual wear and tear of that hinge as you open and close your phone. Because in today's world, people just check out their phone and turn it on just to look at the time a lot of times. So if you're going to be flipping that phone all the time, I really don't want that hinge to wear out quick. Yeah, yeah. See, this is my problem with it is is I'm just thinking about all the times that I'm going to flip it open and close, and I'm just like, okay, well, this is actually going to end up being more of a hassle than it is a convenience. I, I just, I'm, I'm struggling to find the reason why somebody would want a foldable phone like this. Because it's cool, I, John. Yeah, it's a cool idea. I, Honestly, I mean, if they really wanted to make it super cool. What you do is put an e-ink display on one backside of the phone that shows all of your notifications and stuff like that. And I say e-ink because it uses basically no power, and it's thin. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, is that, you know, that was part of Samsung initially a couple of years ago put out like a prototype of this. They had like this promo video displaying how it worked. And the one that they had shown had a secondary screen that I turned remember. On. This. Do you remember that? That turned on yeah. when, only when it was flipped closed. When you flipped it open, it was just the color of the background. That'd be cool, too. And with OLED nowadays, it doesn't take much power to keep that kind of thing going. No, nothing so at all. Do that. Yeah. Yes. I just don't know that there's a market for something like that, like the, the e-ink stuff and the foldable display. I just don't know that there's – it's a niche market to me. We've seen this kind of stuff on Kickstarter before, but it, it, nothing really amounts to it. It's, it's it's like the Pebble Watch. Yes, you know, it it would be considered a success, but nowhere near the success that the iPhone is. Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of those smart watches, it's the immaturity of the market. We don't know exactly what we're going to use these things for. We don't have that futuristic Apple Watch that we want or, or envision mm-hmm. that we're going to get. You know, that's been the whole point of this is that uh, we have this idea of what Apple's watch should look like. And it is not what the Apple Watch looks like. That's a, that's a big problem. John, uh, we're doing a very quick edition of the show. So why don't you go into the next show, next uh, story? I like this. I like these rapid fire episodes. So this is a very interesting and scary story. Uh, a lot of people might be familiar with a uh, browser add-on called Web of Trust. Basically, this browser add-on tells you whether or not uh, a website is safe to browse. You know whether or not it has phishing attacks or malware ads in it or something of the sort. And it's basically just this, this service that helps you decide whether or not a website is safe to actually go to. 
Well, unfortunately, a German broadcast investigation has revealed that WebTrust was collecting and selling users' web histories to third parties. And they were doing this pretty much without anybody's permission. Yes, it was like buried in their terms of service, I believe. But it's not like it was easily findable from other people. So now, as a result of that, uh, Chrome, Firefox, and Opera have removed the browser extension from their add-on stores. And nobody can install it anymore. Um, It's very interesting that they're doing this. They've now said that they're changing their terms and making it easier for people to opt out. And they were saying that, yes, we were selling this data, but we anonymized it. Yet the investigation was able to easily take a sample of data and trace it back to 50 identifiable people. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's wow, crazy. Wow. See, this is what I've always said. You don't know what these add-ons are doing. Nobody's reading these terms of service. And what's scary is that forget about a browser add-on. How about all these apps that we're downloading every day? Yeah, who actually reads the terms of service on that? They just kind of go, okay, and skip through. Yeah, I mean, sure. South Park lambasted that with the human sentai pad yeah. episode. And it's funny <laughs> because it's true. Is we never pay attention. So be careful. You could very well end up being part of the human sentai pad. Uh, I think a couple people are already. Yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the example that I always give is the following, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, I was really in to get those GPS apps for your car so you knew where your car was when you were parked parked in a parking lot. Essentially, all you're doing is providing, giving this company where your location is at all times. You don't know where the, who they're selling that data to. You don't know how they're using that data. Well, this is scary. I mean, this, this broadcaster, like I said, managed to identify over 50 people from sample data. This also included, you know, identifiable information, including active police investigations and the implied sexual orientation of a wow. judge. Wow. They, they were able to determine that information just from the sample of data that they were given. That's insane. And it, so it's not very anonymous, is it? No, yeah. that's not anonymous whatsoever. Whatsoever. That is scary. That is very, so very there's scary. There's a huge backlash now against Web of Trust and... Even with the changes they made with being able to opt out of this, I don't see how they, they regain the trust back. Yeah, I like yeah, that. You don't. How ironic is that? Yes. Uh, Web of trust. Trust us with your data. Except for except don't, really. Uh, yeah. There's a big story here that I'm very excited for, and that's the return of the Nintendo console. The NES Classic is back, boys and girls, where it's kind of back. Uh, the NES Classic is on sale for 99 bucks, and it comes with 30 games. Now, I'm a, I'm a gamer. Uh, I was a gamer. Uh, Chris, I, I don't know. Does this appeal to you? I, I'm, I think this is an awesome, awesome device. So I think we talked about the launch of it one of the last times I was on here, and it's really cool from that regard that they're bringing back this giant nostalgia kick for it. So it does appeal to me, and the use case I had for it is, I want to get one of these, not for me, but for my dad for Christmas, because what I grew up playing was the NES with my dad. And yeah. I think it would be a ton of fun to be able to break this out and start playing some of those games that I grew up playing with my dad again. I, it's a great nostalgia kick. I love it. It is a great nostalgia kick. And I like the fact that, I mean, they pretty, is it, the controller itself, is it USB based? I mean, it looks like it's proprietary, like the old one. Yeah, it looks like they did something proprietary, but... Most likely it's USB. It's not the same as the old shape for the controller port, but the controller itself is exactly the same as what there was in the original NES, which is exciting. And I guess there are third-party folks making wireless versions of it as well. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, This is actually great. So it's essentially just emulating 
an emulate emulation on inside of all the Nintendo games. It has HDMI, which is excellent, uh, so you don't have to break out your converters. Uh, this thing is really really cool. I, I, for one, I want one for Christmas. To be honest, I could, and the reason why is that I could get these on the emulator and you know make like a uh, a Raspberry Pi NES. But you know what? It's cooler to have something like this. This is more legal than some of those things that you yes, would buy is. and put it's on a Raspberry illegal. Pi. It's also illegal. That's the big thing. It's also illegal. So I guess yeah. does this can't uh, wait to play Excite Bike. Yeah, are you excited for something <laughs> like this? This is pretty cool. Come on. Uh it's neat. I don't know that I'd spend the money on something like this. I but I'm I'm not a huge gamer, so yeah. I, I think this is a very nice Christmas gift to give somebody. You can't. I mean, right now though, it just right launched now. today, and unfortunately, it looks like it's pretty much sold out everywhere. Yeah, Target, Walmart, Toys R Us, Best Buy, GameStop, B and H Photo, Photo, they're all sold out. Um, if you are looking for it, it does look like Amazon is going to open orders for the console today at 5 p.m. Eastern. So if you listen to this right now, 5 p.m. Eastern on Amazon, you might be able to score one. Oh, really? They're so, opening up at 5 p.m. East? 5 p.m. Yes. East. I will say what I found out today is I was running some errands around town, and I stopped at a Best Buy, at Target, and a GameStop. And each of the times I was there, I asked just jokingly, hey, you guys got any NES classics? And they laughed at me. I think at Best Buy, they sold out within five minutes of opening the store doors wow. that morning. Target said they had people lined up at 5 a.m. outside the store to come and get them. What? And GameStop said about 6 a.m. they had people lining up to wait for the store to open to go and get those. And I also know one of my <laughs> wow. friends, he posted on Facebook last night. He got in line at Walmart last night at 8 p.m. because Walmart said at 12.01 a.m. they would sell them. And his Walmart had four nes classes oh my now, god who knows how many employees already got theirs before they put them out on the floor Probably. for 100 but we're bucks. not talking not huge numbers here for these nes classics so you can buy it through a third party apparently if you go to amazon right now and they're selling them for 300 dollars. oh the hell with that the the secondary market price begins at 299 dollars. wow this is this is crazy those scalpers yeah uh, well, they're the, they're doing the same thing with the um, Pokemon Go Plus. Yeah, where, where the stock is so low that people are turning to eBay and spending two hundred dollars on one of these things that cost retail thirty five dollars and probably only costs about ten dollars to make. By the oh, way, yeah, do you remember? Cheap. Do you remember when uh, when we when Pokemon Go first came out? I said, "Oh my God, somebody's going to make a Pokeball charging bank." Yes, They're going to yes. have to do this. And I'm, I just put in Pokemon Go uh, Plus in Amazon. And what do I found? A Pokemon Go power bank. 10,000 milliamp yeah. external battery. Have you seen this thing? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, and then it latches. Like, it has, like, a little lanyard on it. So you could like, latch it on um, to, like, I guess your bag or something. 10,000 milliamp. Not bad. 24 bucks? I think that's a good deal. You gonna buy me yeah, one? You want one? Maybe I'll buy you one for Christmas if you're a good boy. <laughs> Maybe Santa Claus will bring you one. How about that? And, and they're gonna wrap it up in a GFQ T-shirt for you, Suncast. No, he still doesn't day. get one. <laughs> he still doesn't get right. one. That turncoat. I'm putting the link in the chat room for anybody that's interested in this Pokemon uh, Go ball, and we could put it in the chat room in the uh, the show notes as well. Um, I think this is gonna be a huge seller. Now there is a Genesis also being released, but apparently it's for. It's not in the U.S., right? Anybody know about this? I thought there was one that was in the U.S., but again, limited game count on it. 
there's probably third party ones you can buy because I'm sure whatever the sharper image or whatever the heck they're calling themselves now is selling something like that. Yeah, there's a whole bunch. Like right now I'm at Target and there's a Sega Genesis Classic and it comes with 25 games, but this isn't the original body. Okay. Uh they have one that is the original Genesis body, uh, the 16-bit, you know, with the with the audio levels on on the on it with the reset button. Yes, uh, it's in Brazil right now. Uh, let's see, I believe it is not in the U.S. yet. Unfortunately, I'm hoping that they release this in the U.S. And it comes with a bunch of games. I think this is really cool. I, I like this whole retro thing. I'm really into it. The nostalgia it. thing is something a yeah. lot of people are going to be cashing in on yeah. right now. And nostalgia when it comes to video games is something we've seen, especially when you go and look at the digital marketplace that Nintendo's put on their consoles where you can go and buy these old games. So it seems a natural extension that let's build something off of that and sell them in their own independent unit. Yeah. Yeah. That I makes guess. a lot of sense. Yeah. What else do we have? So this is a story that I'm very excited to talk about. I don't know if either of you have actually seen this story yet I have. and watched the video for this. This is very interesting. So Adobe had some presentations this week, and one of the things that they were showing off was a project called Voco, which is a tool that lets you insert dialogue into existing voice recordings. Basically, think of Photoshop for audio. Wow. Oh, so God. what happens is that you, you feed Voco a sampling of data, voice recordings of somebody, and from there, you can actually change the dialogue to whatever it is that you want it to say. So this is actually re- very interesting. So if you're doing like any sort of ADR or you're doing a podcast and you screw up, you can actually easily go back in and just simply type what you want to say, and it'll actually fix it for you. Based on the things Much that like you do fire. when you're doing something in Photoshop. Okay, so here's a great example of this, Okay. There have been times I've done a live read and I've read the wrong offer code because in my mind, if it's, let's say we have braintree.com slash TNW for this show, but I also have it for what the tech WTT, but in my mind, because mm-hmm. I'm so used to doing it for this show, I'll say TNW on what the tech in order to fix that. John has to literally edit out and then dub me into saying it. It's a very yeah. complicated process for him to... I mean, it's not complicated, but it's a pain in the butt. If you could go back in and just put in just what you wanted to say at that mark, that's amazing. That's a very... I don't know if you guys watched the demo. It's I an did. interesting demo. You should watch it. Um, it's not 100% perfect, but, uh, you know, for what it does, it's surprisingly good. So, like, they're demoing this thing, and they're, like, just taking this dialogue that somebody says... This this comedian telling a joke, and they completely changed it around to put in different words and whatnot, and take words out, and it's just like, wow, this is amazing. Now you might be thinking, you know, this could be used for something very dangerous, you know, yeah. putting words into somebody's mouth, such as Andrew's hearing, and making them say something completely inappropriate, yeah, which I already have that. recordings of him saying inappropriate stuff. That's too, it's but too late for me. Nonetheless. They're thinking that they're going to do some sort of audio watermarking to prove that you have an original, unaltered recording. So it might not necessarily completely prevent fakes, but it should help by having this audio watermarking with it. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Could you use this for Gunna Geek? I need to go and do some research on this. It would be interesting to use. I just have no idea what the cost would be. That would be the trade-off. I'm a hobby podcaster, so I use like Audacity and free things to do a lot of my audio work. 
supposedly what's going to happen is if they are to include this in uh, anything, it would be in something like Audition or Adobe Premiere Pro. So if you already have one of those applications, it would automatically just be included with those applications such as Mm -hmm. Audition. Yeah. Now, they don't say that this is something that is definitely coming. It's just something they were showing off, something experimental. It could actually become a thing that they release. But right now, there's not any sort of release date for this. Very cool. I like this. This is very cool. And I'm just thinking all the things I want to make people say. (laughs) Yeah. So when do you get this app? When does it come out for you? It's not coming out right now. This is something that they, they say is experimental. They have no plans to oh, release it right it? now. They could release it in the future, but right now there are no plans to release this. I wonder if you could get the beta of it when it's when it's out. That's what I was when it's out. It'll be it should be shipped with products like Audition and Premiere Pro. Yeah, uh, it's worth cool. watching this demo to see just how cool the demo really is and how easy it is to change up. You know, a little little phrase that somebody says, you know, a, a joke that they somebody says, but then they can completely change the joke and put in, you know, other people's names and make it say something completely different. It's it's very funny and interesting. Very cool. Very, I, I, I'm very interested in this. Anything to make life easier, right? Especially if you're editing and you're using Photoshop and you're doing video. Yeah, stuff. for ADR, this would be amazing. Because, I mean, that's if you think about how much ADR goes on in, in this sort of business between um, commercials and movies, this is seriously yeah. a, a needed tool where if they could just do this. That would save so much time. Yeah. Because I, I watched um, Doctor Strange on Tuesday night, and I'm watching the credits before um, the end scene credits and all that stuff, and you can just see all the credits that they have for ADR yeah, and just wow. how much ADR they do for films and commercials. And it's amazing the fact that a tool like this would be invaluable to companies that do ADR. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right, actually. I didn't even think of it that way. I mean, there's a legitimate use for this product. Not necessarily just to make people say stupid things, to make Trump say something even stupider, but... To actually use this in a very professional manner. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm really curious to see how this further develops. I'm, I'm really, really curious. This can save so much time. Very absolutely. Cool. Very cool. Guys, that's it. Quick episode today. Lightning round. Weekly. Yeah, it was a lightning round edition. Uh, and I have a sleeping baby here, and she's starting to wake up. Look at this. He's sleeping. Shh. This is how this is my life now. This is how I work. <laughs> Everything on the baby time. Uh, Chris, where can people find more information about you? And what have you been up to? What are you doing? It's been a lot of work and podcasting lately. So if you want to find out more about me, just head on over to gunnageeknetwork.com. The podcasts I'm on are on there, plus all the other stuff that makes up the network. We've just recorded last night a podcast talking about the most recent episode of Arrow, and that was a lot of fun. So that's over on gunnageek.com. Excellent. And Suncast, how about you? Uh, a couple things. One, I want to thank John Prosser again for this awesome shirt. Two, I also want to thank our veterans because it is Veterans Day. It is Day. Veterans Day, yes. So thank you to all of our veterans for serving our country and defending us. And uh, if you want, follow me on Twitter at Suncast. That is Suncast with a K, not a C. And you can follow me at Andrew Zarin on Twitter. Be strong and God bless everybody. Bye-bye for now.